0: We are running four wide here on a Monday, putting the labor in Labor Day. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons. I am Chip Patterson. Lots to get to, including one of the biggest names in all of college football uh, from the Pac-12, making it official that he will not be participating in any kind of winter or spring season. We'll get into that. Plus, looking ahead to the week two Storylines, lots of teams that are going to be getting in action. We will be ranking the games in terms of our personal interest. Which games are we the most excited for and why? Uh, What sort of has us uh, peaking in terms of looking out that way? But I want to begin with a a real question. As we do sit here, week one will conclude, as it has for the last several years, on Labor Day night with a Monday night nationally televised game. It's going to be BYU at Navy. And um, a message came across the Cover 3 group chat earlier today. And there was some questions And so I I want to hear, Danny Cannell, uh, what new information have you learned that has you wanting to rethink your lock? Because, you know, for the subscribers of the Cover 3 podcast who might be listening to this, as soon as it hits their device, you know, get it wherever you can, then, uh, you know, maybe that little bit of information can help them. Though, as Barton did lay down the law, once it is once the publish has been hit, once we hang up on the call, no changes to the picks, no changes. I'd I'd be lying. There's a little bit of a crisis of
2: confidence going on over here at uh, DK state after the weekend (laughs) so far has unfolded with my early results, uh, sitting at one and two right now with a must win situation just to get to 500. I have BYU, uh, of course as the favorite one and a half point favorite, but all I kept thinking about as I was watching the Army Middle Tennessee debacle was first of all the reason that I didn't want to go against Army is cuz I wanted to be American. I wanted to be a patriot. <laughs> and then I'm like I, and and then all of a sudden I realized like hey, I'm betting against Navy. So like what is it against the Army Navy thing? Um I this line has been all over the place. The only thing I was thinking considering doing was switching not my pick of the win but taking the under as a play in this game as opposed to a side or leaving the BYU pick on but also taking the under did you guys notice that the unders were four and two on the day on Saturday so like the philosophy of saying hey sloppy offenses uh, you know, not a lot of points. Yes, we had a couple high-scoring games that did hit, but four and two, the under was over the weekend. That was my only consideration. Uh, was possibly either seeing, like, begging to see if I could t- to get out of the BYU bit and taking the under instead, or <laughs> that's exactly. It. I can't. So, uh, or considering taking the under on this one.
1: The other thing that I don't know if you noticed this weekend, too, was the total on this game has dropped all the way down to forty eight and a half. It opened at 55. So like sharps have been pounding the under seeing what you saw. And we've we've down we've lost nearly a touchdown on this total from where it opened at. So that is certainly something to keep an eye on going into Monday night's game. I'm not sure how much value is left on that total at this point. <laughs>
2: Well, I was going to ask for the total that everybody else got that's on the under on this <laughs> podcast. <Martin> <laughs> <Chip>. <laughs> but, but since you guys won't let me, I'll just let the bet stands as I have it and we'll let the results speak for themselves. We'll see how this thing plays out.
3: <laughs> yeah. A little, a, little behind the, a little behind the scenes uh, on the Cover Three podcast. Chip's audio. Chip, I don't do you even, you do know this, I guess, but when Chip's uh, computer froze, I last second threw on an SMU <laughs> laying the points pick and because it did not get published and I chipped it off for me the opportunity to, to re-record and get it on the record, I thought that was a sign from the gambling gods that uh, I, I did not need to get that pick in. So if it is verbalized and published on the pod, it is, it is etched final. in stone yeah, <laughs> forever for the tablets.
0: Um, uh, so good luck to you on your BYU minus one and a half, Danny, I will be riding right there with you. I don't think we've got anybody on Navy. And then Tom, you mentioned it's all the way down at 48 and a half. Yeah. On the South side of that key number of 49, we've got it at 50 and a half, but even then it's dropped a uh, four and a half points since then. I, if you want to jump in on a first half under 23 and a half, I wouldn't hate it, but you know, this again, still, we're dealing with some numbers that have been uh, been dropping pretty quickly. All right. So I uh, mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Oregon left tackle Pene Sewell has announced that he is going to opt out of whatever football might be ahead for Oregon during the 2021 uh, academic year. He's going to go ahead and start getting ready for the NFL draft. The chances of. Uh, not just Penny Sewell, but a lot of players who have that same kind of, you know, NFL draft calendar working against a potential spring season calendar. I think that we, we considered it not much of a surprise though. You know, Micah Parsons, for example, already had opted out from the jump. Like that was, that was already a situation where the, you know, he had decided that he was going to be opting out of this season. Going to go ahead, shut it down, start getting ready for the NFL draft. You know, do you expect that uh, – well, first of all, just reaction to uh, the Penny State announcement.
3: I don't have any. Not, I mean, that was – if he had played in the spring, That I mean, that would have been unnecessary probably and shocking. He's in the same class as Jamar Chase. Like, remember we talked about Jamar – well, I guess different class because I guess he has still something to, to prove from a team perspective. Um, you know, if he wants to continue to help – Oregon get to a, a new level um, in, uh, in its national sort of in the, in the national landscape. Yeah, sure, but uh, in terms of his his NFL stock, it wasn't going to get much higher. Um, I guess you know does does his does his thinking change if the Pac-12 starts to ramp up towards Thanksgiving? A, yeah, like an early little earlier start date. Um, maybe he's, maybe he's removing that as a, as a complication to the decision-making process and just getting out in front of him and saying, I'm gone, but he's, he probably needs to go ahead and, 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 and get out.
1: Oregon's one of the PAC 12 schools. that's not even allowed to practice right now. Right. Because, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Oregon
3: and, and California.
1: Yeah. So I think that definitely plays a role too. in the fact that like. He can't practice with the team, so if he wants to actually even just prepare for the draft get physically ready and do all that kind of stuff, he has to opt out, I think, at this point, just so he can go do that on his own since he's not allowed to do it with the team.
2: I did notice uh, something that's a little bit of a depressing trend that's taking place. Not surprised at all here that uh, he's opting out. I mean, I totally agree with Barton. Like, what, what's there to gain there? It is nice to know that the Pac-12 does want to play football eventually. It's nice to hear from Larry Scott getting out there, making the rounds, here in the. you know, hey, they've got this daily testing, rapid testing. Those are all great things, but this is no surprise. The depressing thing I saw, this is a uh, shout-out to Chris Hassel, our buddy at uh, CBS Sports HQ, which – Further gives a shout out to Ryan Wilson, our draft expert at CBS Sports HQ. Yeah. As we stand today, we are only going to get to see three of Ryan Wilson's projected top 10 picks in the NFL draft. Uh Trevor Lawrence, Devontae Smith, and Patrick Sertain at Alabama are the only three players. The other seven have either opted out or are play, you know, Justin Fields plays at Ohio State. We're not expecting to see him. So as we sit here today. Uh, only three of the top 10 projected uh, in the draft that we'll get to watch play football. It's, it's a bummer, but yet none of them are really surprising to me. And I think what, what you're going to see in Sewell is a top five pick or higher. Like I don't think he's going to drop out of the top five and potentially one of uh, these offensive linemen that you'll see as a a, a presence for 15 years in one franchise and an eventual hall of famer. Like that's the type of love that scouts coaches, everybody who talks about him. That's what they see in the potential type of player that he is at the next level. So no surprise that he's coming out at all.
1: He puts people on their butt.
0: Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what he after does. watching a lot of tape, Penny Sewell puts a lot of, I mean, I I went real bold with the best player in college football, you know, that's the the really, really bold March and April takes where you were just like, Hey, who knows if we'll even have a season. Let's just fire these <laughs> off right
1: now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. No, I'm in on Penn. A. Sewell is my number one player for the college football season in 2020. But I, there, there was conviction. You got a Mario that. Cristobal retweet from that. Didn't you? I did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, lot of engagement with the Ducks that was fans. Good engagement, yes. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little bit of news from Friday afternoon. Uh, the Big 12 has made public certain protocols and thresholds for game cancellations. And I think this is an important bit of news to bring up uh, within the context of. Conversations and some jokes that we've had on here about you know the decision-making process of uh, when to cancel a game, whether it's going to postpone it. Are you going to go for that convenient cancellation when you're playing Alabama and you know contact tracing gets a little more aggressive, or are you you know figuring out ways when you're playing against uh, Arkansas till so it's like, no nah, man, we're going to get some walk-ons in here. Uh, we need this win right now. So there, it is going to be very strict, uh, according to the Big 12. Teams must have 53 or more players available, uh, and there's a certain position limits even within that 53. For example, I believe they need to have uh, seven available offensive linemen, four available interior defensive linemen, and one, one quarterback. So sorry, Kentucky, I guess, would have had to cancel some, uh, some ball games last year. So uh, the 53 player minimum and position minimums include walk-on players as part of those totals. And so if you want to fill it out with walk-ons, then there's certainly going to be those kinds of opportunities. 85 scholarship players uh, in general, as we know, according to the NCAA rules. And, you know, up to like what, 111 maybe that you'll field, 110 or 111 that you'll field for a home game. Obviously you can't travel with all that many but how do you see uh, with the big 12 as sort of the, the format here? Do you think that this is something that is going to be replicated across the board, or do you think it's going to be a little more flexible in the ACC and the sec?
3: I skimmed this. Go ahead, Tom.
1: I was just gonna say, I would, I don't know what it's going to look like in the ACC or the sec, but I would expect it's going to look awfully similar. Maybe a few things are a little bit different, but, uh, I think the one thing I take away from that is I'm taking the under in any game in which a team only has one quarterback on its roster because you know they're going to be handing the ball off a lot.
3: Is is are those positioned uh, not because when I when I initially saw the news, I didn't know if that was a partial list of the position rules or is that the extent of the position rules?
0: I believe you know? I believe that is the extent. Okay. So if you've got, if, if
3: all of your defensive backs are outs, like you're just expected to pull some receivers over to play defense or, you know, if you got no wide receivers, like, well, tough luck, just going to have to be ground and pound all game. Like that's, that's what we're expecting, huh?
0: I I think so.
1: I think, yeah, I think just for safety reasons, they probably figure it's, it's quote unquote easier to put a receiver in the secondary than it is to put like a running back on your defensive line. I mean, they or were, they're talking about
0: line. a minimum of 11 big dudes, right? Like that's, yeah. they, they took quarterback and they took the largest players on the field as their minimums because if you've got athletes, athletes can be athletes, right? This is where the coach flexibility that we talked about a little bit has to come into play. But you can't, you can't add a hundred pounds to somebody like you need to be able to have the 300 to 330 pound dudes to be able to not just get absolutely mauled in the trenches.
2: I've been going back and forth trying to decide like if you were the conference, if I was the conference commissioner, cause I think by, you know, as a, as a, as a practice, it's probably transparency is best, right? Like let's come forward with our protocols. Let's uh, let everybody know those. And yet this is going to be the type of year where, there are going to be exceptions there are going to be things where maybe you know you could tweak those or you might learn more information as you go on a few weeks you might change those protocols which are game day procedures which may make you look foolish down the road so that's the only thing i look at is i wonder if the sec and acc will make these public and say here's where we are because just knowing the way football coaches work and the way they look for excuses and will look for edges I do think transparency is the best option to lay it out there so that everybody knows so that you can't complain after the fact, well, we were forced to play or, you know, like uh, you just, I think transparency is the best option on the table. So I'll be surprised if the ACC and SEC don't have something similar. I don't know if it'll look exactly the same, but something very similar. I did and think- you're like, You like you, Also, I wonder if there's any game day, issue. Like, if you're saying you shouldn't start the game unless you have one quarterback, what happens if the quarterback gets hurt in the second quarter? Like, are you just going to say, well... Well, maybe that's the... Maybe right, that's the okay, limbo
3: situation. Yeah.
2: Right. Which I agree. I think they should. I'm not saying they should stop it down, but what's the... like? You know, it's 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 still not safe for whoever's playing there if they're not practicing it, but the better teams, the more prepared teams, will have somebody in a package, even if it's only two or three plays, that they'll run over
3: and over and over with a Limbo uh, type player. The We were all, we were in the text thread, we were all disappointed to see TCU, SMU canceled well in advance. Um, but I do kind of wonder if like, uh, I, I mean, I, I this I assume this is what happened. Is TCU just sort of like, listen, listen, Sonny Dykes and and you guys like, sorry, we can't do this. But there's this. What's the what's the like benefit of us trotting out for this non-conference game? Like, this is a conference-only season. That's all that matters. We're just gonna pass. And I was talking to like uh, Trey Scott in the office of 24/7. Was like, why are we risking it all at Texas? He's a Texas fan. He's like, why are we? Why, why are we putting our season on the line to go play UTEP? Like, you know, like why are we, why are we even doing this? Like, let's just like, what, what if there's an outbreak? What if, you know, what, like, let's just get to the season. And and I, I wonder if that's sort of what happened with TCU and, and the continued just March to try to make sure they get the important games in
0: SMU. Come on, man. You want that skillet. I can't believe that.
3: Are they playing for something? They play for yeah, a skillet. i skillet. Oh man. Sorry. That's
1: My bad. Mean. It's one of the finest rivalry trophies in all the land.
0: <laughs> so have you guys started to see some of the uh, game day, like in, in game weekend routines, uh, there's a lot of Monday availability across the country. A lot of those standard Monday pressers from coaches, but I've seen um, team, home team still doing the hotel stay the night before on Friday night. But then trying to almost create, it's almost like they took notes from the NBA with a, like you do your test, your Friday test, and then your Friday dinner is delivered to the room. So your Friday meal is going to be in the room and you're matched up with your roommates as much as possible in terms of who you live with also on the road, rather than trying to mix it up. And then they have uh, like, very strategic busing to the stadium. And then at 9 a.m., everybody gets their test results. Like it's very much a uh, do the test, check into the hotel. Everything's brought to your room, bubble it up as much as possible in the hotel, get to the stadium. And then that's when we're going to start to hear about like, sorry, like, Four wide receivers are now going to be out. Like all that stuff is going to start trickling out about nine ten a.m. So uh, for all the fans, that's certainly where I, I would start to pay attention to all the personnel issues because they are going to try as much as po- possible to create those like safe, contact-free environments. But um, that's, that's what we're working with at least
1: again no bets until just before kickoff or after
0: (laughs) except locks which are etched in stone (laughs) the moment that we hang up on the call and the adobe audition file is saved that is uh that's the way it goes all right coming up on the other side we will look ahead to week two, where we have the ACC and the Big 12 getting in action. Of course, the American, Conference USA, Sunbelt, they've already been rocking and rolling for a whole week. So where are we most excited to tune in this weekend? These are our game rankings next Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the slate is still a little bit limited. You know, I, I gave myself, um, for, I, I was allowed to, you know, sort of wrestle with my level of hype for that week one. I was like, but next week it'll get going. It's still, still, still hard to really pull together like a a full 10, 12 games that I'm looking forward to watching like three, four games in each window. This is not going to be a, a, one of those weekends where the last or the return button on your clicker just ends up getting worn out. Like it just says ass on it because the L and the T's have been just grinded (laughs) out by your crummy, little hands, but, uh, I found, uh, nearly a half dozen that I am flagging, marking, very excited to, uh, to make sure I get my eyes on. So let's, uh, let's, let's throw it out there. Why, why don't we all go? Why we I'll all go, go number with three? One.
3: Okay. Three down to number two, then down to number one. Yeah. For our top games. Okay.
0: All
2: right. Can I just make an observation?
3: Sure. Chip. Why am I the old elder
2: statesman on this and feel like you just gave a reference that would be from 15 years ago with the last button? I feel like a 2020 reference. Would be you'd have to have multiple screens with your iPad, your phone, and your like your your main computer. Like those you'd have multiple screens going where maybe you wouldn't have them. Am I correct in that assessment?
3: Is that is the last button a Chips, little bit of a Chip's an old soul, <laughs> you know? Still, he still likes the clicker TV, you know, he's he, he's fighting it to his last
1: breath. I, Chip actually gets out of the chair every time it has to walk <laughs> to the TV. And I actually turn a
0: knob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> like that. I, I For my setup, I like to leave the – because I find that on my streaming options, if I'm trying to bounce from game to game, I'm going to end up getting booted from the app. So those are games <laughs> that I'm, like, picking and I'm locking them in on the streaming. Main TV is where I still have my – paying half a million dollars a month cable package hooked up. <laughs> and that's the one that normally has the sound. And so like game A and B always end up on the big TV with the old cable remote. Then the streaming options are kind of game C and D for any given window.
2: All right. Gotcha. That makes much more sense. I feel better about you now.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, Barton, why don't you get us started? What what's your number three game for week two? Uh, all right.
3: I've 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 wavered back and forth between two games for my number three option. Um, I'm gonna go with the one that I think probably fewer of you guys. I think the, I think the other one, someone else will have picked. Um, I'm gonna go with Western Kentucky Louisville as my as the as the game my third. What am, what are we calling this? The third game. The the game I'm third most excited to see. <laughs> um, so I think like you guys know my affinity and my affection for the scott satterfield era at louisville yes so i i am i am very curious to see what the second year looks like i think this is going to be a a very worthy first glance when you consider that western kentucky is coming off a nine win season uh tyson helton i I would say maybe even proved me wrong like i don't i think i didn't think that that was a good hire like that was my 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 inclination and in fact it, it appears that it was a really good hire i think they've got a really good staff they got tyrell pigrome starting at quarterback i think he's the guy that transferred in from maryland uh undersized jitterbug sort of quarterback uh they've got a bunch of starters returning on defense including one of the best power or group of five defenders in the country and one of their edge rushers so I, I think this is just going to be a good test for Louisville, and and if nothing else, a good test for the defense. I still think that the 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 Louisville offense, as we've discussed, is going to be is just going to be. Really, I don't see any reason why to think that they won't have a really good offense. But we'll find out defensively if they're up for the task the rest of the year. So, um, so I, I think that's that's one that's going to be uh, that that that's near the top of my list for sure.
0: One of the things that is exciting about uh, or it sort of ducks your expectation about Western Kentucky is that they're a defense first team, that they are a team that's led by its defense. And because what was it we went for when we had Bobby Petrino, you know, when we had Willie Tagger, like there was a run where for Western Kentucky, you were thinking that they were, uh, was it Brandon Dowdy, the old Western Kentucky quarterback? Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, they were a light up the scoreboard, spread it out, Kind of it, was team. The, it was the Petrino-Brom era. It was yeah. like, what That's was it. it? Was it like Patrino? Taggart-Petrino-Brom? Taggart, Taggart-Petrino-Brom. Was it back
3: to Petrino?
1: Did it go back to Petrino? Sanford. No. Oh. Yeah, it went back. It was Sanford before or after Petrino's second stint? Sanford's our most recent one. Sanford was the one they just got rid of. Okay, so then, then it went back to Petrino and then to Sanford.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I but think, the, but but the Petrino, Braun Petrino era was was prolific offensively,
0: and this is not that team. Uh, and in fact, early line on this game, less than two touchdowns. I was. Are we allowed
2: to use the same games? Yeah. Or do we yeah. have? To, all right, because this was my number two on my ranking list because. All the reasons you're talking about, but I do think you guys are talking about the team that's going to be on the losing end. I was looking at this from the perspective of Louisville and what it means for this. All right. Scott Satterfield era gets off. Great start. Turn around eight and five. They've got this three headed monster on the offensive side of the ball with Cunningham, Hawkins and uh, Atwell. Like, can you carry that? And then when you see the point spread, I said 11 and a half is what their uh, current favorite like that's. That's kind of like that, okay, like you should should be able to go out and handle your business. Um, I think this is an opportunity for a bunch of games this weekend for the ACC specifically where they're supposed to win and the favorites are supposed to win, which historically has been a place, at least in the last five to ten years, where the ACC has struggled. I want to see if some of these teams that are supposed to be turnarounds And kind of on the up and up if they really are ready to meet those expectations. So for that reason, I was like, all right, I want to see what Louisville's made of. Let's see if they can go out there and beat this Western Kentucky team handily. Can they cover uh, and kind of take some of that momentum they had from last weekend and
3: carry it into last year and carry it into this year? I don't know why I thought Petrino was at Western Kentucky twice. He's obviously at Louisville twice. So it was Taggart, Petrino, Brahm. So it was just basically Petrino-Brom. Right. 13, 2013 through 2016 was the you, light the scoreboard up years.
1: You reeled me into your own <laughs> mistake. <Yeah>. The <laughs> gravity of it sucked <laughs> me right in there. You were so confident in it.
0: All right, Tom, what's uh, what's your number three?
1: Uh, my number three is, I shared this in the text thread with you guys over the weekend, my low-key game of the week at number three. Iowa State, Cyclones, Louisiana, Rage and Cajuns. I just think this is a game in which, you know, we talked about it on Saturday night. Like, the Sun Belt looked pretty solid in that opening weekend. And I think the Cajuns, coming into the year, we all expect them to be one of the two better teams in that conference. And I think that this, you know, opening weekend, we don't really know what to expect from everybody just yet. I think that there's some, you know pretty decent upset potentially. I think the Cajuns are a very good team. I think Iowa State has a chance to have a very good season, but this is one of those games early morning, you know, kickoffs at 11 a.m. local. I think maybe the Cajuns, that's what I'm going to have an eye on, a team that could maybe pull off an upset and really get, you know, 2020 off to a good start.
0: Iowa State's defense ready. We'll see.
1: We'll see.
2: (laughs) They better. The Iowa State's that team that, you know, Matt Campbell's had a phenomenal start there, uh, turns the program around, gets the new contract, you know, the last couple of years, eight and five, eight and five, seven and six. Like, I look at this program and say, all right, have they plateaued somewhat under Matt Campbell? Can they take the next step? Now they get Brock Purdy, who's, you know, uh, the veteran presence on that team. He's started now, they've got their guy. Like, I want to see what they can do this season, but I do wonder if they're, because I've, I've heard of them be the, I I am not projecting them to be a potential big 12, you know, champion. Um, I think they'll be in that middle tier, but this is all, I mean, this is one of those games where early, like uh, this is a, there aren't those cupcake games anymore. Like the easy directional schools where you, you know, there's a couple of them out there, but for the most part, these games are, they're not 40 point favorites. We have a couple. These are games that, you know, you, you're going to have your hands full a little bit. And some teams are going to react better than others to those. And I'd say this is definitely one of those games.
0: All right, Danny, your number two is already out there. You've got Louisville, Western Kentucky there. My number three is Duke at Notre Dame. And I went really, really bold in our expert picks, or maybe I was just being a jerk. Uh, I put Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Notre Dame in my college football playoff. Uh, If you had, like... To explain it is that the Big 12 is carnage. If everybody loses two or more games in the Big 12, then, you know, it could definitely happen. The idea being that Alabama and Georgia split regular season and conference championship since Clemson plays at Notre Dame and Georgia plays at Alabama. But mostly it was the idea that I think Notre Dame's going to be really good. Like I've been kind of sniffing around this idea that like this could be a, a season where the Fighting Irish are are right back in the college football playoff. It's a year where that the Fighting Irish could go and win the ACC championship. And, you know, as I was looking at Brian Kelly's uh press conference from today, I pardon, Kyron Williams, is that how you pronounce yeah.
1: it? Yeah. Hmm.
0: He's gonna start at running back.
3: Yeah, Chris, Chris Tyree's uh running with the twos. What? He was a true freshman.
0: The I mean, so, uh,
3: <laughs> so, c- c- here, here do you, so my thing like, all right, so depth charts are starting to pop up today. I, I think Notre Dame's, the some of the things that are coming up on Notre Dame's depth chart, I think are really like good indications. Like they're, they're positive. Um, I think Kyron Williams starting a running back to, uh, to your point is a, is like a positive development. He was a, he was a true freshman last right. year. That was that was I guess in high school he's this really versatile, productive, uh, exciting player. But just just walking the door is not didn't look like a college kid. And so he needed that year to develop. So now he's 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 topped all his other guys on the on the um, depth chart. It makes you feel like okay, that's that's one of the probably the most equipped players best case scenario to be the starter and Chris Tyree, the true freshman who runs a four, one of the fastest players in the country is their backup. Now. I think that that's positive. I also think we noticed in the secondary, uh, it was supposed to be Kyle Hamilton at one safety. And then the other safety was Isaiah Pryor, who came from, came from Ohio state. Uh, and then, um, Griffith, the uh, the the other guy that was sort of battling Isaiah Prior for the starting job, they moved Sean Crawford, who was supposed to be the corner, into that safety spot as just like get the best eleven on the field. Is that the short?
0: He's a short guy, right?
3: Yeah, he's he's played corner for them a lot, and so I I look up and like I just feels like they've I feels like the right guys are on the field for them. My only question for Notre Dame, which which will I mean which will be a good a good test. Well, I don't know, I don't know if Duke's going to test them in this way, but the The skill, the offensive skill is like the receiver position. I worry about a little bit, but they their offensive line is whatever the Northwestern, like um, Javon McKinley has been there forever. Like, um, I mean, just no one that inspires a whole lot of like fear in the hearts of an
1: opponent. I don't think,
0: but they are going to still mash people. I mean, the offensive line is still one of the best in the country, really good. You know, sorry, Tom, what were you saying?
1: I to say going back to Kyron Williams, I'm I'm not surprised when Kelly said that he was going to be starting because I remember when he was coming out of high school in St. Louis. You know, he was like he was a four star, but he was more of like a lower rated four star. But mm-hmm. I talked to coaches on multiple teams at the time who were recording him or recruiting him, <laughs> and I mean they were all very high on him, saying that they thought he had much higher potential than his ratings were showing. And like there were, and this is from multiple schools. That Thanks were for the interested tip. Thanks for the tip, Tom. Appreciate it. <laughs> just keep that under your hat. Yeah. Camp, camp, buzz. But like, yeah, so that, I'm not surprised because yeah, like the, just his versatility. It's like what you said, Barton. He needed a year to get into a weight room, weight room to get himself ready for a college. You know, playing on that level. But a lot of coaches I talked to were very high on him.
3: We'll find out too if Duke is uh, is expect like if it's going to be competitive, Duke for the year or whether this is just going to be the the team you pencil in with the L as you're going down the list of ACC games,
0: chase Bryce, I, I know chase Bryce announced <laughs> as the uh, starting quarterback. Saw that that's nothing, nothing better than uh, some, someone who just gets all the praise for being a good locker room guy. Right. <laughs> a great, great locker room guy. Uh, obviously like Duke, we mentioned this Duke has a pretty good defensive line. It's the one thing that I, that I can point to when I have some confidence in, in Duke, not being that team that you just pencil in uh, every single week, if you're everybody else in the conference, but they are going up against Notre Dame's offensive line. I don't think this will be it. Most of my interest in this game is Notre Dame forward with the idea that it's like, wow, they they could be one of the nation's best teams, and so this will be uh, the first time we get a chance to see him.
3: It's also the unveiling of Tom 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 or Tommy Reese as their offensive coordinator, well,
0: young yeah. young Tommy. That. The, bo- the bowl game was his job interview, and he did a good job on his job interview.
1: Depending on how good he does, we'll decide whether we call him Tom or Tommy.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> and if if Notre Dame has a
2: season like I think we all expect, you know, in you know, contending for ACC championship, maybe given the playoff a scare, Tommy Reese is going to be a name that gets a lot. There's a lot, something about familiarity, names, young guy. He's going to be in that, you know, head coaching. Lineup that's going to start. Coach Why, in waiting. Don't think
0: so. Coach in waiting.
2: <laughs> oh, this I, is now that for him would be attractive too. Having played quarterback there, so I think you might be onto something. Too. Brian
0: Kelly has thirty seasons of coach experience. Thirty. Ah. This is his eleventh at Notre Dame. Like he's. I think. Hmm. I think this. This. Um. Some. Uh,
3: if if Brian VK wins like ten games or more. I think the next two seasons he'll be Notre Dame's all-time winning as coach.
1: Yeah, I think I, it, I, it depends because of the vacated wins that they had from 2012. But I think okay. if, you, if you if you live in a world where that season still happened, yeah, I think you're right.
0: Is okay. Len so Katua maybe, maybe alive three officially? <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got number Danny. What was your number three that you had behind uh, Western Kentucky, Louisville?
2: My number three was a little bit outside the box because you're going to need something to watch with no Pac-12 after dark. Mm, I like to this. Find something for that late game. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was one of the pods I wasn't on when you did Big 12 win totals. Was this the one where Barton was running to the window based on Kansas? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Kansas Coastal. Yes. So <laughs> Coastal Carolina at Kansas in which... Kansas is around a six and a half point, maybe a touchdown favorite, looking to get off to a 1 0 start, looking to avenge that 12 7 loss that they had last year. Uh, you get a little less miles, get a little wacky late. That's the uh, 10 o'clock FS1 game. That one for me was a uh, let's get it in there on the top three games. So it's to kind of the night caper as well.
3: Love Coastal did Co- Coastal beat Kansas last year, huh?
2: Yes,
1: 12-7. Wow, I about that. <laughs> just a slugfest. Just a great football game.
3: Dude, Dude. Kansas is going to just... Totally curb stop them!
0: Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! They are seven point favorites. They are, Kansas is favored by a touchdown in this game, and you're going to take it to curb stomping. And your Kansas Don't tell love me is deep. Be some text flying
2: around with the text thread during that game.
3: I'll tell you if they're going to curb stop them on Thursday on the Locks Pod. We'll see if I've, I've actually built up the confidence. The Last people year, seem
1: I- to be with Barton because Kansas opened as a three and a half point favorite, and it's moved. To six and a half. So there's there's a lot of curb stop of thoughts out there.
2: Yeah. Right. Last year Kansas was uh, a seven point favorite uh, as well. Uh Kansas is 126th in returning production, coastal ranks in the top twenty, including almost Uh-oh. all of its offensive production. Watch out, Jayhawks.
0: <laughs> uh I think I,
1: we got a lock fight coming on. Yeah, I cannot wait.
0: Uh Tom, what's your number two?
1: Uh, My number two game is taking place on Thursday night, I believe. Thursday or Friday. But it is Miami and UAB. And it it was originally number three, but it jumped up to number two on my rankings when Manny Diaz, during his media availability on Monday, said that UAB has no weaknesses. (laughs) <laughs> which I know coach speak is coach speak, but I was just like, you know, when you hear the UAB, it's like, it's like the perfect football team. When you look at this roster, there's just nothing there to exploit. We're just, it's like, you know, we're, we're lucky if we even can hang within a touchdown of them. There's just no weakness on this side. So, and to be fair, considering you know like we've talked about Miami has its two game losing streak to Conference USA. That's probably the approach they should be taking, but it's it's going to be interesting to me because I think UAB is a good Litmus test for Miami in its opening game because it is solid defensively at the very least, and it's also going to be interesting to me in that this is Miami's first game of the season, so they you know they haven't really b- broken in yet. Whereas UAB did have a game, so it'll be interesting to see how that impacts both UAB having already played and seeing if it has a positive or a negative effect on them. And it'll just be interesting to see Miami with Derek King at quarterback and to see if we can get an inkling of what maybe we should expect from the Hurricanes for the rest. To 2020.
3: Do you guys remember when How uh, um, Mummy was at Kentucky, and uh, they started? I guess that was the the, the early state air days of the air raid. And um, he would his quarterbacks like they would play like the like in the in the spring scrimmages they would play like the third string defense, and the quarterbacks would throw for like 600 yards and nine touchdowns, and they'd be like, "Look how good our offense is," and they'd sort of build this hype for it. Uh, I I, either, either Derek King is like, like legit or like Manny Diaz is taking a page out of the, the, the old how mummy, uh, playbook, because I, I, this is going to be a great opportunity to find out if all these six touchdown scrimmages are, uh, are, are real. Like I, I, I'm fascinated. I can't wait. Like you said, Tom, like at at the very least, this is, this is a fair measuring stick. For what for what Miami will look like offensively um and and you know what if this is some slog and it's a 15 13 you know final score and Miami ends up winning it that's probably something they can hold their heads up high about too because UABs a quality football team but uh I agree this was this is the one I was talking about that was my my borderline third pick because i am also very
0: interested in this one uh what is your number two Barton uh
3: my number two is um App State Charlotte wow. uh, you know this is my group of 5 game and App State is you know I this this is so new new head coach uh internal promotion they'll be App State will be App State and uh they'll be a really good group of 5 team but as as conference play and the power 5 start to pick up you know, we're going to – our eyes will wander and we'll lose track a little bit of some of these really good group of five teams. And so I am very excited to get eyes on App State, figure out how good they are, and see what kind of next step uh, Will Healy can make at Charlotte. You know, this is, this is the guy that took over Austin P when they had lost 77 straight games or something absurd. And first year they go – they they go from you know getting blown out uh, every game to you know going I think winless his first season at Austin P but competitive and then second season they were like a a, a, a snub for the playoffs where they really should have gotten in so uh, I'm, I'm interested to in see what kind of progress year one to two is at Charlotte for Will Healy as well a guy that I think is is a pretty hot name in the coaching circle. so uh, I just think this would be a fun group of five matchup
0: App State lost a good bit of its defensive front. It still is really, really solid in the secondary, but doesn't Charlotte's offense was pretty good last year, right? I'm pulling this out like little balanced, but probably one of the better conference USA offenses.
3: Yeah, they could run. They they were, they were a good run game team. If I, if I am not making that up. Um, so I think they got a good run game. I think they're, they, 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 they tr- they've got a, you know, athletic quarterback type of offense. Um, so, and then they got, and they've recruited well. And they've, so I, I just, I think this could be, I think the line was like 18 or 20 or something.
1: And yeah. is that what, is that what it is? Uh, They averaged 30 points a game last week. The line right now is at App State minus 17, but it opened yeah. at 20 and a half.
3: Okay. Yeah. So, so it's there's some down love on it. Charlotte. Yeah, there you go. But I, I, I think that this is, if, if App State wins by that much, I, I think that'd be a pretty strong statement.
0: My number two game for week two. I've also got another first year head coach. Uh, I want to see the Dave Aranda Baylor Bears, you know, Mm. late in the cycle hire, which meant that we made a way bigger deal of it, especially because he was coming from LSU and there wasn't as much going on, but also kind of feels like as we've been ramping up to the season, there is is a built-in expectation for Baylor to take a step back this season but I don't have a comfortable feel on where they land, at least in the big 12 pecking order when it comes to that step back. So, you know, Charlie Brewer hasn't taken a hit yet. He's healthy. That's good. You know, but also, yeah, you know, how does that offense look as Larry Fedora takes over as the new offensive coordinator? Remember they've got their past game coordinator came over from LSU as well. He was an analyst uh, under Joe Brady during that championship season. So Looks like they're going to be trying to take advantage of, uh, you know, Matt Rule loves his, his speed, loves his team speed, and, and they're going to be trying to uh, figure out ways to do that. They lost so many starters on the defensive side of the ball, but Dave Aranda comes in. Uh, they were 3-4 base last year. Aranda, you know, a little bit multiple. How are they going to end up looking on that side? I don't – like Louisiana Tech, traditionally better, one of the better Conference USA teams, and so – Uh, And it's also the team that beat Miami in the bowl game last year, 14-0. So in the the narrative and in the conversation of trying to figure out where Baylor is at, I feel like this Louisiana Tech team coming in to McLean Stadium is at least going to probably give them a scare early. We're probably going to have some communication issues, you know, first time with the staff out there. And we're going to really see Dave Aranda sweat just a little bit. But I think that over the course of four quarters, we probably see the uh, the athleticism difference show up. But Louisiana Tech is a great test for a first year head coach who uh, who I think that I don't have a firm expectation of what the uh, what the season is going to go like. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I had this game. This was like number four on my list. This is when I was kind of going back and forth of including on it for a lot of the same reasons you just said. I think that for Baylor with a new coach, with all that stuff that we don't really know what it's going to look like. This is a difficult start to the season compared to what a lot of teams are getting. And I mean, obviously, it's an 18 point spread. So depending on how you want to consider difficult, I just still think this is a good test for them because Louisiana Tech, I think, is a better team than that spread suggests.
0: I mean, is it a coaching advantage for Louisiana Tech? You could certainly
1: make that argument. Skip, yeah, they've got hold, a skip very experienced over head coach. Yeah.
2: Baylor's a team for me. And I, th- I think I said this earlier when we were discussing Baylor. Like, it's rare that you see a team that goes 11-3, and three, plays for a conference championship, played Oklahoma twice, played them tough, you know, had them beat in the one game, and then, of course, you had the, the incredible comeback in the regular season, but that you just... 11-3 and three to, eh, they're not going to be that great. Like, we're talking sub-500. I think most people think Baylor's going to be. And I know they lose a ton of talent on defense, but is the cupboard really that bare? Like, I, that's that's to me. But I, I, I probably feel less certain about any team maybe than it is in Baylor. Just like, like, this is one of the biggest question mark teams I have. So from that one, yeah, I want to tune in to watch and see what the heck we're going to get from this team this year.
0: All right, number ones across all across the board. Are we are we on the same game? Are we on the Probably. same games?
3: Not me. Everybody say it. One, two, three, go. <laughs> no. What's what's y'all's? What do you think what do you think what do you oh. think the same game is, Chip? Georgia Tech, Florida State.
0: Uh, Dusty right. said,
2: said it. I like, see now, you got to go call me Homer like that, Barton. I can go outside the box and say something else. Maybe it was a different game, but no, I did. I did have that game. I do think when I was looking at the slate and trying to think, like, all right, is there a must-win game or a must-watch game that you you know you just you want to sit out? You want to see what you're going to find out? Again, a team with a lot of question marks in Florida State, and it's not about expectations. Hey, are they going to be in the championship hunt? And yes, I do have a lot of, you know, personal reasons to do this as a former Florida State guy, but I do, I want to see what this squad looks like with Mike Norvell at the helm. Um, you know the beginning of the Willie Taggart era there was so much hype there was so much excitement there was so much energy the atmosphere of that Virginia Tech game was incredible and then you just put a pin in that balloon and it popped and it exploded it was like just could not have gone off like from that moment it was all downhill from Willie Taggart I do think first impressions matter especially with Florida State's fan base so I think there's a lot at stake from Mike Norvell uh you know, you're supposed to win this game. You're a 12, 11 and a half, 12 point favorite. You're playing at home. And I know there's not cr- a crowd there, but you've got a lot of eyeballs watching. Offensive line, are you going to get better? Let's see. Is there some of this NFL talent out there on both sides of the roster? Are you going to maximize that talent? To me, there is a this to me is one of the more compelling games of the weekend for that reason. And Jeff Collins, here too like, what are you going to get? Are they going to take a big step of uh, uh, the Yellow Jackets? So I think there's a bunch of reasons why this game uh, is a game that you would circle and say, all right, that's the game that I want to watch.
0: Twenty twenty four ACC championship game preview right here. Jeff Collins, wow. Georgia Tech. Against will against Mike Norvell's Florida State Seminoles, two coaches that I do have confidence in the work that they can do at their current program, and uh, yeah, I I think the Georgia Tech reasons are just as interesting as the Florida State reasons. I do not expect Georgia Tech to win this game. It would be awful for Mike Norvell if it was a Virginia Tech like uh, start right there. But I still think that in terms of the quality of what we're going to see, the quality of competitiveness that we're going to see from Georgia Tech, uh, they're going to come into this game ready to go. Uh, So it was my number one as well. And it was my number one for as many Georgia Tech reasons as the Florida State reasons that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, it was also my number one simply because it's a conference game and of the ACC conference games that are currently scheduled for this weekend, it's the one most likely not to be a boring blowout. So for me, that put it at number one. But since you two already took it, I'll change mine to Liverpool Leeds United.
0: (laughs) Is this a a Premier League opening weekend?
1: Yeah, starts on Saturday. Hmm. Barton, what's yours? Since you you said you you're different, you know you're you're Mr. Contrarian today. What's well, I,
0: no, I'm
3: I'm I'm actually very disappointed in this group that that I that I'm the only one that has this game number one. Tom, you you at least mentioned it. I was I was awkwardly quiet when you were breaking down Iowa State, Louisiana, but that is my number one game, and that is like, I'm I'm I'd be excited about that game in week seven of the regular, like of a normal non-COVID season. Like I'm, I am stoked about that game. Uh, I think a, you're getting the, so yes, like true or not, like there is a little bit of, uh, additional Iowa state buzz that's being like circulating around, like, Oh, maybe this is a dark horse team. Um, it might be coming a little bit from me, uh, who knows, but I think that the idea that this team could potentially <clears throat> take that next step is intriguing uh, because there's there's reason to think they could <clears throat> with the the quarterback coming back, uh, some of their playmakers on offense, and a, a lot of guys coming back on defense. So let's see, like let's see if they take the next step. But the other element to this is interesting to me is I, I think Billy Napier, especially in a season like this, and we talked about it a little bit on the reaction pod, but like this is a season where the The group of five coaches that are playing the season who have an opportunity to get additional eyeballs, like if those guys have good years, they're gonna be, I think, even hotter of in terms of a commodity than they would otherwise. And this is a huge opportunity for Billy Napier to hit to 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 play the old like group of five darling coach. And, and prove that he is the new group of five darling coach and be the plug and play first guy up from the group of five ranks the mike norvell from the, from last year whatever it is like the b- next big job that comes open is Billy Napiers if he goes and wins a game like this and I think they're really talented they got two NFL running backs they've got they got several NFL players on that roster um I, I just I'm,
1: I'm very excited to see how competitive that game is I'm surprised you didn't go with Oklahoma State Tulsa
3: uh, I don't think Tulsa is going to did pick
0: Tulsa. That's a, that's a Barton certified team right
3: there, but I don't, but I'm not, I don't think Tulsa is going to be competitive with the best team in the big 12 in a, <laughs> from a Barton perspective. So I am not worried about that one.
0: We didn't mention it here, but I'll, I'll throw it on there. If Dino beats North Carolina in Chapel Hill, yo, on both sides, right? Cuz everyone's well, I mean, ready to send the orange to the bottom of the ACC standings. Everyone's penciling that one. If they if they go in there cuz that game I don't think that's necessarily going to be a blowout. North Carolina's a 22 point favorite in the game. That game has 48 to 31 written all over it. That's
3: going to be a dude, it's going to be a blowout. You think so? It's going to be a blowout. And that's not even me all on the North Carolina, you know, beats Purdue hype train. Uh, who'd they beat last year? Was it Purdue?
0: North Carolina.
3: In, in the, in the bowl game. Who'd they, who they crush in the bowl game? Temple. Temple, yeah. Temple. Sorry. Um, they no, beat South like, Carolina this is, in the open. This is a, this is a fade Syracuse mentality. On my, like I, I just, uh, they released their depth chart today. I think, um uh, like two of their top running backs, Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard, I think they both opted out. Like this has been, I feel like they've been like oscillating back and forth between practicing and not practicing based on COVID related, not even like breakouts, but just like players like being like, ah, you know what? Like I'm good. Like this isn't really for me right (laughs) now. Um, I I just, I do not have confidence in Syracuse this year.
1: The Dino drop is rolling in its grave. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I'm with Chip when I saw I mean, when I saw the spread on this one, like I mentioned the ACC conference games that are blowouts. So I do expect North Carolina to win this one pretty easily. But I also saw it as like a three touchdown favorite for North Carolina. How many games did North Carolina win by three touchdowns last year?
0: They it's played true. every game win or loss was decided yeah. by 10 points until the bowl yeah. game. Like they beat South Carolina with like fourth quarter touchdown. They beat Miami with a fourth quarter touchdown. They lost to wake forest on a fourth quarter touchdown. They lost to app state on <laughs> a fourth quarter touchdown lost to Clemson with a failed two point conversion in game five. I mean, every, every, every bit of that seven and six, like not only was everything either wins or losses, but it was all decided by seven points.
2: Mm-hmm. This is uh
0: because the North
2: Carolina team is one that I haven't been real comfortable talking about, hey, this, you know, before COVID, hey, this team could win the Coastal. Like, this team could, you know, potentially play for the ACC championship. I was I was starting to think, hey, we're getting a little bit out over our skis. I still think they're incredibly talented. I think Sam Howell is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country. Uh, and then I'm like, all right, well, how are they going to handle these expectations that are on them? I do think this is where Mac Brown does come into play as a veteran who's been around programs when he was at Texas, when he was winning championships expectation. I feel like he'll have a pulse of his team where they don't get too cocky or, you know, he kind of has a way of humbling them and and reminding them, Hey, we were only seven and six last year. We only won some of those games by this many. I feel like that's what he'll say now. I do also know he's terrified of his players reading, clipping, you know, reading the press, reading, paying attention to what's being said about them. So I think he'll be he'll be doing his best effort. But we're 22 point favorite. They haven't been this big of a favorite since 2012. Yo, it's been (laughs) eight Mm -hmm. years since they've been this heavy of a favorite in a game. And it's a lot of love for Carolina. I just I'm typically like my mindset is kind of to fade that kind of overarching opinion and it just seems like it's a little bit too easy and too obvious um so yeah, I, but I, I'm I'm more of the mindset of Barton against Syracuse. Like this is the game where they uh, they should house them, and I think they will come out, and then that hype will grow up even even more. It'll crescendo even more after they win this game.
1: Yeah, fade them Let, the next weekend. Yeah, let's let's fast forward to Max media availability this week when we find out that Syracuse is a team without any weaknesses.
2: <laughs> <laughs> think about that when we were talking about Manny Diaz saying that. That's the best thing you can do as a coach, though. You pump up the mm-hmm. opponent. And if you lose, I told you guys they were good. And if you win, you look better. Like, you look like you beat a better team. So, like, every coach should be doing Yep, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the – when Nick Saban talks about Arkansas being a championship-caliber football team, that's the real performance art right there.
1: <laughs> Bobby Bowden looks you was, like you're an idiot if you disagree with him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Coach Bowden was one of the best at that because we would have you know fifty point point spreads against a Maryland or a Wake when they when we joined the ACC uh, and. He'd be trying to tell us, and every player's like, we knew, like, there's no way this team is going to beat us. We could roll out there with our, you know, our walk-ons and probably have a better chance. And he would find some obscure stat. He'd be like, well, you know, Wake is leading the country in fourth down conversions. You know, (laughs) (laughs) he would find something and they were, it was because they were, exactly. (laughs) One for one or two for two, but he would sell the crap out of it. He would be like, hey, you guys got to watch out for these guys.
0: A shout out to sports information directors everywhere because I'm sure that comes right out of like page nine of the game notes. Good stuff. Definitely good. All right, how many of these games are going to be making our locks for the week? Mm, I would bet quite a few. Uh, Be sure that you tune in on Thursday so that you can come get these locks. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Canell. You can follow him at Tom Finley. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday
2: afternoon, when a thought hits you.